Welcome to the Real Journeys of Success podcast. Yes, here's your host, Rob Elliott. And again, we have an amazing guest for you. He is from Colorado, yes, in America. He studied film and television. He has his own production company and film company. And these days he helps people bring courses to the digital age. Welcome to the podcast, Noah Mittman. Thank you so much. That was a great introduction. You summed up everything in my life. That was awesome. <laughs> okay, well, that's the end of the podcast. We'll move on. That'll be yeah, one of exactly. the quickest podcasts. <laughs> Mate, Appreciate just to, uh, to get people going, what's the Noah Mittman story? Where were you born and uh, how were you yeah. at school? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm originally from California, um, yeah. Moraga, California, and moved out to Colorado actually for uh, for college, uh, in 2007. Yep. Um, and got my, let's say I got an associates through like a community college and then went for the film degree and yep. got close. But then at the end of it realized that, uh, a film degree, at least where I'm at, doesn't hold a whole lot of power or, you know, really get you anything. So, uh, when the money ran out, I decided to not continue and, and just kind of jump into doing my own thing. And cause I'd always, the reason I was at film school was I've, I've loved movies since, yeah. I was a kid. Um, actually, <laughs> it may even be as I actually, I don't think I've told, told the story on a podcast. Um, my, my movie love started, I think, because I didn't have a TV in the house as a kid until I was like 12. Wow. So we didn't have a TV. So as soon as we got a TV, I just, I was just binging movies. Yeah. Just all, you know, back with, uh, what blockbuster was the thing. Um, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> go on a Saturday, you know, riding my bike with, you know, listening to the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack just yeah. to like fuel me. And, and, uh, what ended up getting me like into like, Oh my God, I could actually like do this yeah. was, uh, I was watching the behind the scenes featurette for the matrix. Mm -hmm. Um, and just seeing, you know, all the people on set and all the action happening. I was like, Oh, there's like a lot of people working on this. Yeah. Like this could yeah. actually be, a really cool career. And so got, you know, got a camera a few months later and started, started making cool shit. Oh, can I swear on this? I don't know. <laughs> I, I think you've already done it. So it doesn't matter. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, yeah, I mean, my, you know, what, I, what I've wanted to do from day one is just to kind of make cool shit and, and, uh, you know, impact people and, you know, cause, cause emotion and deliver knowledge and all that stuff. So it, it started there and, uh, you know, got i realized i was maybe good enough to be because i've been making stuff since high school i've been kind of that that started you know i started in parkour and yeah. making kind of fun just fun videos like you do and uh 2012 realized that i was maybe good enough to do it professionally a buddy of mine on a shoot was like hey like, you're really good at this you should you know you, you probably could be pro and started with you know the classic like weddings and music videos and all that stuff which i still do occasionally and into the into the pro world and into um, you know, the, the, the video world. And a lot of it was DIY and figuring it out as I went, which is why I think I'm pretty good at, at coaching people now that are doing it themselves for their courses or their content. Cause I know exactly where they were at. I know what tools they have available, uh, based on their budget, based on anything and, uh, can really help some people. Again, my whole thing is to, you know, stop waiting and start creating is get out there, get your message out, get yep. your impact going and, and build your thing. So you would have you would have started on tape and then gone into digital. That's correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I had I started on mini DV tapes. Yes. Which, yeah, anybody that's worked with them, know that oh, they're just they're the worst. <laughs> they're, oh, they, I mean, again, they were good for like for the tech back then, but like 
transferring like that whole what was it um i think it was on final cut it's like a capture software where you had to like capture the oh my god most painstaking process ever so now being able to with with memory cards to just slide in your computer and transfer files over yep i love it i love digital <laughs> mate it's uh i remember as an early days i was what we call a roadie where i worked for the band and we had a thing called uh that echo in those days was that would it would record and replay yeah very quickly and it was back in the tape days. And it was a screaming hot night in uh, Sydney, Australia. Humidity was up. And, of course, the tape had gone around 3,000 times. You know what happened, don't you? Tape broke. Oh. Echo gone. That was it. So no. it wasn't long after that we went digital. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, except Maybe. now the memory cards, like, you have to be really careful because they're, they're, they're pretty fragile. Uh, yes, yes. I can't, you know, what freaks me out is even having, like, and now, again, this is, a lot of people are doing stuff on their phones, which is yes. exactly where I say to start. But if you do move above that into the higher space, you start to deal with more yeah. technology and more, more stuff. So having like 128 gig mini D like mini microchip micro card is yep. almost like that's almost too much trust in like something super fragile like that. <laughs> Man. So true. So before you, when you're at union, we know you, you dropped out, but in the industry you're in, it doesn't mean you have to have a university degree. Some of the most creative people are the worst in class. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's I, I mean, and, and here's the thing, like it, it all, so it's good to invest. So similar, I mean, we were talking before, you know, like doctor, lawyer, medical, you know, all that stuff. Uh, sure. Yes. If it's required to have a degree, great. But uh, as a creative, Really, all I can because I've I've hired people as well to you know on the company to to help out with stuff. Like I don't care if you have a degree. I care what your work looks like. So I didn't have the degree, but I had a reel and you know show reel, and I won some film awards during my time at film school. So I was like, you know, I it's the the skill is there, and really, it's just people just want to see what you can do. The the whole reason of going to school is to like get the experience. But if you're giving yourself the experience anyway, and you can do it for, you know, an online education, which is a 10th of the price and not worry that you're not going to, because I've never for a job or a gig in the film, in, in film, in video been asked if I have, or not gotten it because I don't have a degree. Yeah. Look, I think that's awesome. It's not necessary anymore. It's uh, it's just the way it is, and yeah, you know, you can't teach creativity. You've got to learn. Correct. And a degree doesn't mean education. A hundred. <laughs> that is exactly right. Like, I mean, here's so again, you go to like USC or NYU, big film schools where like big directors just happen to drop by. Sure, worth the money. And if you know, a lot of times the people that you're in class with or the people that you go with end up becoming business partners or you start working with them. Like the, the connections you make is great, but you can do that just by getting into your local community and being just going, you know, hopping on zoom things or one, you know, COVID restrictions lift, going to events. Like it's all just networking. Um, and so it's really what you make of it. And if you just keep making stuff and getting your craft better and, and improving yourself, like that's all. <laughs> and again, the whole thing of uh, it maybe not being the most effective, I remember like, okay, perfect film school example here where I'm in history of silent film in a dark movie theater from six to 10 PM at night. Yep. How is any 
what, 21 year old or no, even less like 18, 19. How are you supposed to stay awake for that? Like that's insane. Like these key, these theater seats are comfy. It's dark. We're literally dissecting silent films. And I, for me, I was just like, I was, I had to like do work on my laptop or something because I was doing client work while I was in school still. Are you telling me when you go to the movies with someone, you're actually supposed to watch the movie? <laughs> I was saying when you're an 18 year old class, the class, it was this this four hour long class in the middle of the night <laughs> watching silent films and like you know it just it was and the seats are so comfy like I had a really hard time for me I had a really hard time paying attention in that setting yeah. but versus let's go make a silent film and do something creative with it and put your own spin on it being in set on in in action becoming a filmmaker mm-hmm. like I'm not I'm uh, for me it was it was. I'm not trying to become a critic of film. I'm trying to become a filmmaker and you have to go make stuff to be a filmmaker. What do you think is the the most important skill someone has or needs today compared to when you started out? If they're looking at going into film and marketing, uh, make creative. That's a good question. Um, I would say, I mean, just kind of the openness that being creative gives you because you're, you're always open to new ideas, new trends, new, like if any, you know, thing that comes out strikes you in an interesting way, the ability to have your spin on that. I think that's the, the, the kind of essence of creativity is like what idea comes to my mind that is a new spin on this thing that could potentially add to the conversation. So that openness and that lack of ego of like, you know, oh, I'm making my thing. Like, like, be open. Have you know, be able to be yes and when new ideas come in, and be able to be playful like that. Because it, it really, like true creativity is playing. I think it's kind of that flow state uh, reach, and it's super important to um, let yourself be open and and see what ideas come up. Um, so openness and willing willing to kind of play. So I'm going to flip it here. A lot of my clients are sales professionals or managers or you know, business owners. And they're not known, especially the, the managers and owners of being creative. Um, yeah. They would normally say to someone like you, here, I need to make an ad. This is my product and walk away. Uh, how does someone from your industry pitch to someone who knows nothing about creative, but they want you to paint the picture so they can just say, okay, just go and do it? It's, um, I love the term story selling. Mm-hmm. So it is when I come across a product or a service or whatever, the the way that you make an effective marketing piece around that is what story can you tell incorporating it that makes it more interesting than just here's the product and the features like okay here's the product here's the things it does how can we incorporate the things that it does into a story about a customer using i mean it's a classic you know any any of the good ads any of the like in america obviously super bowl is like kind of you know the oscars for ads like why are those ads better sometimes than your, you know, your, your normal ads? And it's because they tell better stories. There's more character. There's more, um, you're more invested because it's storytelling. So I, that's really, that's really what I try to say for everybody is like any clients, anybody that comes in, even coaching, like with your promotion, with the stuff you're doing for marketing, yeah. what is the story you can bring people along with to get them hooked? Cause that's all the good marketing is, is, is going on a journey. Uh, with somebody. Yeah, look, I think the importance of storytelling, especially when you're training someone, it gives authenticity. Yeah. It, and you oh, don't, yeah. don't make the story up. I mean, a lot of the ads these days on television are a story. And they put yeah. down the bottom, these are paid actors. But 
I think we people can relate to anything when it's a story. Uh, what have you seen change? I mean, you're still going through the COVID thing in America. Hopefully, you'll come out of it where, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Really out of it, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, there is a little, the light, the light has appeared at the end of the tunnel, I think. Yes, well, uh, <laughs> we, we all wish that you guys can come out of it quick. If you look post-COVID, pre-COVID, what's the biggest difference you're going to see in creative? Because what I'm seeing at the moment mm. is a lot more ads have a lot more animation. Yeah. There's people. And in many cases, the quality's dropped. Well, and it's, it's uh, I think there's just restrictions. It's, you know, so in this, this is actually interesting. So, because I've, I've done some, you know, ad work recently with clients and um, the, I think one of the big conversations is, do we include masks or not? Do we, you know, is this going to be a, so when I say that is, if there's no mask on, obviously there's, you know, there's a good distance amount there. It's an interview. It's not, we're not like right up on each other for, for not having masks. But the question creatively is, do we want to date this for, you know, is this going to be just used for the next month to six months? Or is this going to be an evergreen ad that they can use for the next 10 years yeah. uh, about their company to where masks eventually are not going to be a thing anymore. So it's like, so that's, that's kind of the question is, you know, part, part of, part of the COVID thing, but yeah, no, I do. I, I see, I think, you know, if you can't get together and film animations are good. Uh, and again, it's all storytelling. What, what kind of story can you tell with your animation, with your, you know, the, the, even working animation into like live action. Yeah. Uh, it's just a, that's, that's where the creative really comes through. Now, a lot of the other part you do is you do course creation and you train people, and help people bring courses online to digital yeah. also. Now, before COVID, and we need to date stamp there because there has changed everything in the world. People in business would either pay for a facilitator to come in, everyone would sit in a room and yeah. all play nice for uh, three hours, five hours. <laughs> Most of the time would walk out and within a couple of days had forgotten probably what they were told. Or they'd pay, you know, coaches to come in and very little was online. Mm. Now we've moved to a different thing where, okay, most people, especially if they're office-based, are basically working 50% at home, 50% in the office when they're returning. They don't want yeah. to go back into the office full-time. But yeah. managers need to train. Managers and companies need to train their staff on new products, on new ways of doing things, on, on how to present to camera, how to do all these type of things. Yep. Where do you see, before we get into how and why, the biggest challenges now for companies and why is it in, so important for them to do a quality course rather than just take something maybe off the shelf or buy some? Yeah. Stuff? Well, I mean, I think you, I think you covered it in, in, in the question is how much of the information is being retained. Hmm. Um, one thing that I really believe in is making when you're making training, when you're making yeah. teaching material of any kind, making it entertaining, making it a fun experience. Uh, that's where the creative comes in, right? Like if you can make any, you, I believe, I truly believe with the right story, with the right way of doing things, you can make any topic interesting. True. Um, so, you know, ma having some jokes in there, having, making it lighthearted, not just dry, you know, however dry the subject is or whatever, yeah. like bringing some fun, bringing some, uh, we're not just preaching at you for, you know, yeah. lecturing for five hours, but making it okay. Like for me, like with, with the course that I have, it's called Film Your Online Course at Home. And what I'll do is have exercises where I'm saying, this is the concept I'm trying to teach. Um, I, so A, go do an exercise around it so you can see it and like yeah. you can do it yourself. And B, um, 
like what here are some examples of good and bad of this why were these good why were these bad right so like really interactive learning i think is what effective training can be and that is what's cool about online courses because you have your worksheets you can do the you know exercises you can really like get creative with the ways that you're teaching things um and if there is video element uh you get opened up to the wild world of videos so like you know bring in you know a movie reference in or bring you know whatever it is to make it fun and engaging to actually get the information across and then you know at the very end testing it's you know hey did do you understand this do you get this concept and just and honestly asking not just assuming that people do do you think uh as we look move forward that there may be a market where someone like snowman films needs to train their staff on the latest digital camera where they'll employ someone to record the training and then it's run on this platform so it still stays in-house rather than bringing someone from the outside yeah. in? Or do you think they're going to rely on outside courses? No, I mean, I think it's... Look, anytime you can do something in-house, uh, it's going to save you money. And I think yep. the company is investing in... I, I like that. So where I'm going to take this is you can hire somebody to do it yep. over time and you can spend that money, money, money. Or, and this is a big thing with the coaching is... I'm teaching solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, course creators, beginner ones to get the skills themselves so that they can over time understand things. And if they ever do need to, they will hire it out. They will have a better um, process for teaching that new person how to do it in the right ways so they can save money there. Wow. So it's, it's interesting. There's now, they said somewhere online coursing or online education has gone up that much in percentage that they don't have enough zeros to put in anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. the new way of It's teaching. crazy growth, yeah. Do, do you see, but in, there will be a time where it's people still need that human contact. You're still going to have to start to get a blend of online and in-person or, mm. you know. Yeah, I mean, I think for, I'll speak as, you know, as a millennial on, on my generation, I, and this is this might be something where you disagree. Um, That's cool. A, you know, meeting like this over Zoom versus a, we go down to the coffee shop and meet in person for me is basically the same thing. Uh, I'm seeing you. I'm seeing your face. I'm Mm. seeing your energy. I get who you are. I, you know, that's the whole in-person thing for me. So um, on my end, there's not a big difference between the in-person and digital. Like I get the energy of like a big you know room if you have like an event, but um I mean, we're, you know, we FaceTime family. We like, we have, it is, it is a shift in society for sure. Um, But I think my generation is decently comfortable with it. And I mean, I think we can see it's only growing. So having us having a presence in the online space and being comfortable with training and and communicating and educating via the online space uh, is a super, super important thing to not only understand, but invest in. Um, as we move forward, because I mean, COVID has pushed us into this even more. It was already starting, but now we're like, I think a whole new percentage of people are online now um, yes. and seeing the power of what learning online can do uh, and, and having a presence online. I was, I read a report out of the States and it was also went through America, went through the UK and Australia. And they said initially when people started to work from home, productivity went up. Yep. 50, 60%. But over time, productivity now is coming back. Mm. It's falling. 
because uh, while you said, you know, that's what you're used to, human nature is you must have human contact. Yeah. So they're having to find ways to get human contact while still managing this because managers and also they said that managers are finding themselves more disengaged from their company and their people because they're living in their office at home. Right. Not talking to Joe or George or uh, Jolene down. You don't get that like water cooler moment. Yeah. So they're not finding out. Yeah. It's uh, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting balance. So when it comes to online course creation, uh, if someone's just starting out and they've got the most amazing knowledge, Mm -hmm. they know what they're doing. And this is what scares me with where we go now, where, where we're not talking, we can't talk to the person who's been in the industry 10 years mm. uh, outside having a smoke or doing whatever to find those little bits that aren't in the book. Yeah. How do we tap into that knowledge that we can potentially lose now? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, in terms of creating something to put it out or getting yeah. that knowledge from, okay, yeah. Like, yeah. You've got, say you're, you're running a business and you've got some uh, employees that have been there a long time. Yeah. And they've got knowledge that isn't in a book. It's just from experience, from making. Oh, I got you. Work. So they can create something to help the rest of the company. So how does a business then turn around and say, "Well, I can't afford to lose that." Yeah, I've trained that. I've I've nurtured that, but my new people coming in don't have that interaction. I mean, I think I think something like that in that very specific case would it'd be kind of cool to do a educational series yeah. on specific topics that can go out to the whole company, yeah. uh, you know, based on, you know, cause again, I'm guessing where most of these super veteran, super experienced people's knowledge is, is some, in something very niche and something very specific. Normally, yeah. So creating content, creating a course series yeah. around that specific topic. And then eventually over time you get this as you know, company assets, you get this library of, really good knowledge on specific topics that, I mean, think about the next person eventually that will have to get trained in that topic yeah. and, and how, how much faster, you know, you can spend, you know, months training with this person one-on-one, or if you can have them create a really good course, you can, can condense that knowledge down into a couple hour training that is very like here, you know, here's the thing to learn. Here's how to, you know, here's, you, you know, do an exercise around learning it, all that stuff, yeah. figure out their learning style and that knowledge gets transferred, you know, generation to generation mm-hmm. uh, because you've documented it. So what would you, if we went to the next level and you've got people who are, it doesn't matter how old they are, but they've got a niche, they've got this knowledge. And they thought, you know what, I think I can make a little bit of money or as I believe in giving without expecting anything in return. Yeah. I want to teach people what I know, but I've never done anything like this. I don't even own a webcam I've just got my computer and my little my laptop here that I'm used to talking to Aunt Joe in uh, in Washington and I live in New York and or whatever it is. How does someone get started and what are some of the traps they've got to look out for so they don't, mm. you know, get caught or spend too much money or do all this work and get nothing in return? What a perfectly teed up question for my knowledge. <laughs> well, I did yeah. research it, mate, before we uh, before No, I love I, it. I, reached out. <laughs> I was like, I know exactly how to answer this and, and good question. <laughs> um, so this goes into uh, kind of what I have created is called as the, the four phase course creation system. Yeah. So you start with an idea, start with, I think people want to know about this. Phase one is your market research. Yeah. Phase one is, you know, 
so the the starting point is I have this. What do you want to teach? What are you passionate about? What do you have knowledge in? Cool. Yeah. Then you go into phase one, and it is who actually is my ideal customer for this. Um, Knowing your niche, knowing who exactly you're helping, very specifically, and then asking them, finding where they're hanging out online, finding where those communities are, and going in and asking, hey would people here be interested in learning about this or who's who's like, what are you struggling with? And can I help you in this way? If the answer is yes, then you know that there's at least a market there that people might be willing to pay for something. Cause if you get, if you ask and it's crickets, then you're like, okay, maybe I can change this a little bit. Or like the market will tell you if there's interest or not. Um, which I think is super important because I mean, even my first dive in on online courses, I was like, Oh, I'm going to just do what I think people want to know about. And I made a bunch of stuff. I spent like a couple months making different courses mm. and launched it. And now, oh, wait, no, people don't actually, aren't actually that interested in this. So, oh, damn it. I didn't ask, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so saving that time up front to really see if there's a market for it. Yeah. Once you know there is one and you get some response back, phase two is content. So it's actually making it. There's, that's where you know my current course, Film Your Online Course at Home, where I basically teach you how to make a course from scratch with your phone because your phone is essentially a $1,000 camera. You have invested that money in it. And so it's, you know, you're able to use that well. Um, that's your content. Your content is making it, editing it, uh, creating the PDFs, creating all the stuff, the content that goes in. Uh, then phase three is technology, uh, which is, I know where a lot of people get very overwhelmed, which I get because there's so much of it. So technology is getting your files, your video files, your downloads, your audio files, uh, getting them up online, getting them to a hosting site, building out a funnel to drive people to that hosting site, getting your system set up before phase four, which is promotion. Mm. You have your systems and then you drive people to your systems. Yeah. The promotion is what I call the other 50% of work. 50% of the work is having the idea, making it, getting it uploaded. Mm. Once you hit publish, you are 50, 50% done. And this is what a lot of people don't realize about online courses is you have to work just as hard at promoting it as you did to make it. So once you hit publish, your full-time job or however much time you can put into this is getting it out to new eyes and ears, talking yeah. about it, doing exactly what we're doing here, promoting what you're doing. Yeah. And that's the only reason that successful people in this, in any of these spaces are successful is because they've been promoting for mm. years and years already. They've been on this game and that's why you know who they are is because they've been out there and they've been loud. Yeah. And so promotion is, is a very important step. And promotion is essentially never ending after, you know, if you're, once you're selling your thing, you just keep promoting it. That's why the whole passive income thing, like, sure, you may make some sales. Like, you know, if you, if you bought something for me, uh, I would probably be asleep when, for when you're awake generally. So yes, that can be making money in your sleep, but I'm still working my ass off to promote it and get the word out and, uh, and get people to hear about it. So really it's no different to corporate launching a a new uh, car or a new phone. Yeah. Just Absolutely. Exactly. I mean, I mean, think about the launches. This is, I, I love, you know, we, the, I come from the filmmaking world. So yeah. I think about launches or, or promotion as kind of the movie premiere model. You yeah. have your trailers, which is like your promo videos, your micro content, all the, all the videos that you're putting out. Yeah. You have your movie posters, which is your photos, your quotes, your, you know, all the, all the, 
the non-moving image assets that you're putting out. And then you have your interviews. This is your talk show thing. This is podcast. This is, you know, getting out and networking. This is all that stuff. So it's very similar launching anything. It's why the movie industry works so well. It's because they have that, you know, trailers, posters, and interviews to promote stuff. Same, you know, it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So, you know, using that model to do anything can work really well. If, if someone didn't want to use Facebook to promote a course, <laughs> yeah. something they're doing, yeah, yeah. what would they do? I mean, Facebook's just one social media. Um, I, I, so I'm a big fan of social just because it is the easiest way and the most cost-effective way to reach communities, to reach your ideal customers, yeah. to reach the people that you need to reach uh, other than, you know, go what you're going to go to like local networking stuff and hope that you find your ideal customer versus there's a LinkedIn page or group. There's Facebook groups, there's community rooms now, uh, or excuse me, there's uh, was it a uh, clubhouse clubhouse oh, rooms. Yeah. 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 Uh, Instagram, there's hashtags. There's so many ways to find your specific niche and your audience and then give them value with social. So, I say, if you're not on Facebook, totally fine. Honestly, my biggest um, like focus right now, social wise, is LinkedIn. Yeah, LinkedIn is coming up, especially for for business side and, and entrepreneur stuff. Um, it is kind of what Facebook used to be in the early days. So you, your yeah. organic reach, your connection ability, like it's really a cool place right now, and it's growing. And then uh, I know that. The you know the older generation is a little hard of a TikTok. If you're if you're willing to dive into the crazy world of TikTok, you can post one video and have it hit a million views. Like it's the the potential to reach a big audience is crazy. There can you generate sales off TikTok? Potentially, yeah. I mean, if you're putting out value content, like so, everything my my TikTok plan is essential. So I'll tell you my my kind of promotion plan with what I do yeah. is especially because around video stuff, I have a bunch of micro content ideas. So none of my videos are going to be longer than 59 seconds because that will work for every single platform as it goes out. Now I post to every platform or as many as I can, because I'm not just trying to put all my bags in one social platform. Right. Uh, I'm trying to, cause each different platform has its own audience and they rarely will go in between. And even if they do, maybe they see your stuff twice in a day. Right. It's not going to annoy them. So if you're everywhere, you can at least find your audience everywhere. And knowing that the videos are less than a minute, I know they're good for every platform. So I don't have to re-edit and do a bunch of stuff between it, uh, between the platforms to make it different, but I'm still being able to be consistent with putting stuff out. Do you think a lot of people don't do it because they're scared because it's one, it's technology, two, it's something they've never done, but when they get into it, it's really not as uh, hard as they thought it was? It's, no, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, or it's harder than they thought it was or it's not as hard? Not as hard. A lot of people think, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that. But one of the biggest take-ups of social media is people over the age of 70. Um, mm, yeah. My Rotary Club, a lot of our members are 80, 75, yeah. 80. And when COVID hit, we went online. <clears throat> and people said, you're yeah, never right, right. online. Never do this, never do that. One of the guys who is our Zoom, as we call him, master, he's 77. Mm-hmm. And we broke everything on them. <clears throat> and they absolutely love it. Yeah. And they've put some people 20 and 30 years to their younger than them to shame. 
because <laughs> again it's it's that what i mean what you did the beginning question you said of like what's the most important thing being open being teachable being yeah. willing to evolve as things go is the most important thing you can have with this because yeah. this is like we're in we're in an age where a new app comes out every however long and if it's actually hits like say clubhouse recently the ability and willingness to be able to put yourself into new places and roll with it and evolve is what's going to eventually be what makes you successful it's um there's a great saying it's like getting being on a new social platform early or doing, you know, getting into a new space early on it before it blows up. Like the online courses right now, it's it's going to be doubling in the next or more in the next like three years here. The, the growth is absolutely massive. So hey, it's Gary. getting your Malibu beachfront property before it's Malibu. <laughs> Gary Vaynerchuk uh, talks about exactly. that all the time. He says, "Get in early. Get on everything. Get in get early." And he and he and he's he lives this. Like I see him constantly on new stuff, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm a, that's a little sketchy," but like he's in. And that's what he does. He he he's an early adopter. So, but you see where he's been able to grow really fast in different places because yeah. he's early to it and he's open and he's like, "Let me see what this is. Let's you know try. If you don't like it, sure, but at least try it out." Do you think uh, if you now look towards the future and like no one knows what's going to happen with online coursing or digital recording or anything? I'm going to take over education personally. Do you think much is going to change? Yeah, I do. What's the next step? What do you think is going to be the game changer that could come? That is it going to be uh, or robots? Is it going to be uh, voice animation? (laughs) I mean, yeah, the AR VR thing is crazy. I, I definitely think of the reality thing, but. I think the bigger thing on the, on the, let's just, you know, for the online course audience or the yeah. people that are thinking about making one, um, as a, as one of the generation that went through college, I'm, thank God, lo- so lucky that I didn't have any student debt uh, because I, you know, I have friends that are six figures in debt from it's crazy. Wow. And the reason I bring that up is that the generation now that went through that, us having kids, um, we're not going to be pushing college in the same way as previous generations, because we got a lot of us got screwed over by it. So I think education uh, is going to start moving. It's it's already online, but I think it's going to stay online a fair amount. And uh, the online course space because of that is going to thrive because you can now, instead of, you know, (laughs) going to university where maybe your professor knows what they're talking about. Maybe they don't, maybe they're just reading out of an old textbook versus, you know, somebody that you respect online that you've been following for a long time coming out with a course that's a 10th at the, at the most expensive for a course, it's a 10th of the price of what university would be. Um, You're going to save money. You're going to sit, you're going to be able to do it on your own time. And because you don't have like in America, you have to take in the very beginning of say college, you have to take the prereqs. So you essentially have to take high school again, which is just the most ridiculous. Why it's so dumb. You just went through it. So again, with the online courses, you can study exactly what you want to do. You can go after your interests, uh, especially when you're young and figuring it out. Um, Trying a bunch of stuff out is so important. So the accessibility of education, high quality education from people that really know what they're talking about uh, in different spaces the learning, like you're going to just be a fast learner. So you're going to really be able to like take control of your education and really get good at something uh, when you find that you love it. Uh, so I think that is what's going to change over time is the systems that we have set up, they're a little bit outdated are showing that they're outdated now. And unless they 
kind of, you know, bring a similar model, uh, the online course space, I think, is going to be the future of education. Yeah, a lot of the universities in Australia have been bleating, as I call them, about um, the, the numbers of them because we do a lot of international students. Yeah. And, uh, they've stopped coming, of course. And they, they've got all these big, beautiful campuses with all these costs and all these overpaid, high-priced uh, sure. courses and lectures. And then you've got what we call tapes, which are the ones that do, they still do a, a, a BA, as we call it, but they're more along the line the trades, the engineers, the production and all that. Right. Which and is they're so amazing. Cool. They do course creativity. They do yeah. all that. And within, and the majority of them in Australia are government-owned, but within two months of COVID hitting, they moved 80% of their stuff online. Yeah. And these guys have got the most, and most of the lecturers and the people who teach in this space are industry people. They're, 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 the mechanic that's teaching the mechanics works as a mechanic. So these people know this. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's that's, yeah. that's the big thing for me is, is the, you know, with the quality of education is the person teaching it qualified. I had, I can't tell you how many film classes I took where the person teaching it didn't have like, I was like, what's your resume? Like, how are you, you know, I want to learn, but like, who are you and what have you done? You know, how, you know, how, you know, what have you worked on? What shows have you been on? What, you know, are you a film? Like, are you, or are you just a teacher that is, you know, just saying the concepts to say the concepts? Like, why should I, why should I be giving you my time? Um, of course, that was that was that was maybe why I dropped out. But my thing is like I I've been I've been studying film for a while already. So like when I had to go back into like editing one hundred and one, I was like, oh my god! Like, can I help the class? Because you're not doing a very good job about teaching this. I know how to use these programs. <laughs> like, um, so, but that's that's what I'm saying. You can choose online hmm. to learn film from Martin Scorsese to you hmm. know learn cooking from Gordon Ramsay. Like there are, sorry, I got family stuff happening up in the background. Um, Choose the quality and exactly how you want to learn so that you know that your money and time is going to a place where it's really going to work for you. So if we go to the, if we go to the post COVID age and you and your wife are down the road with the kids having a, a lovely meal and you've got two empty seats in front of you. And I say, mate, you can invite anyone in the world. Oh my God. Great Who's, question. Who, who are you going to bring to the table to uh, to challenge you all, have some fun with your, uh, your young son who likes to uh, boss everybody around? <laughs> Great question. Um, man, you put me on the spot. <laughs> oh, I do, mate. I told you we don't prove these questions. <laughs> um, should we go from a... Like this subject conversation or just Any, like in general life? Anybody. Any, anybody in life. Um, man. <laughs> uh, oh, oh yeah. Well, I mean, for, 50, 50. you know, I think uh, I couldn't pass up the opportunity to talk with my favorite filmmaker of all time, who's Edgar Wright. Yep. Uh, and just pick his brain on his process and... Yep. All that he's you know Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Baby Driver, absolutely incredible filmmaker, and I am fully, uh, I would fully fanboy out if I ever met him. Awesome. Um, but that that's great. And then um, I think just so here's a question: the kids are their age right now, 
So we can't get into like super intense, you know, super intense, like psychological and like well, worldview we well, conversations. We know the kids are going to have their head in the phone or have a coloring book yeah, there. Or, or, so who do I want to talk to? Wearing as much pasta as they're trying to eat. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, I, if, uh, the, either the, the two to come to mind and I know it's, you know, maybe not, it's less in back in history and more just yeah. like current, but, um, either honestly, Gary V or Steve jobs, um, I love with, both of them. yeah, just, I mean, and Gary V would be kind of, you know, the, his views on every, I, I just would love to pick his brain personally. Yeah. And, you know, also his, you know, his whole parenting thing, like he's very much a, uh, let the kids be who they want to be and don't you have influence over that too much. Just under, you know, like that whole thing. And then just really saying like, what are the details on that? Like, like, you know, how do you do that in action? Which I love. And then, you know, for Steve jobs, it's, it's, I think just talking to him about how the world is right now and what he sees is important, where, where he sees things go. Cause he's just, you know, his ability to read stuff and read what people want. I think is professionally, that would be super fun for me uh, to awesome. say like, Hey, where do you think things are going to, you know, so that maybe that can influence where I put some of my time. Now, mate, this is the second last question. That's about the only thing you're going to find out that is, has been pre-done. <laughs> this question. If, you, if you're standing outside of the university and you've just walked out and decided that's enough, I'm out of here because I wasn't doing it. And you run into yourself and this is 20 years ago. Ah, nice. What's the best advice you're going to give your 20 year old self? Uh, I, it's funny because I've asked this in interviews before and I always love the answer, but now I have to answer myself. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, basically advi- advice to myself, my younger self, 10 or 20 years ago. Yep. Um, I'm only 30, so I would, it, it is about, it's more, it's closer to the, the 10 year mark. Mate, you're a creative, <laughs> use your imagination. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I would say, you know, just keep experimenting and, um, Carry, I would say this, you know, I mean, back, back at that, I was so obsessed with view counts and how well, you know, how well things are doing. And I would say, you know, Hey, focus less on how well any individual project does and more on how you can be consistent and, and, and keep figuring out what the next thing is to make, because that's really where the practice comes in. It's things are going to do how they're going to do. And if it hits awesome. And if it doesn't hit, it'll break your heart sometimes. But knowing that there's always something next yep. keeps you grounded to like not live and die by the view count on the numbers or, you know, how many people made it through the webinar. Um, you know, knowing they I mean, let's take it for the, the online course space, like how well did this promotion do and my mind will be on, okay, what's the next thing that we're doing and see how that plays with this. So I think uh, just keep making stuff and experimenting and don't be afraid to take risks and put more of yourself and your heart into what you're doing, because that's really what makes the difference on um, the success of something. I think is if you're, if you are in it fully, if you are, if you truly stand behind it and believe in it, um, it's because it has something of you in it. Yeah. As I tell people when I'm doing sales coaching, it's just for you. So yeah, and which I know is like you. the most stereotypical thing to hear, but it's, it's like true. it's it's so true. It really is. Like it's um, 
nothing. I had a great post recently that was like this thing I realized, which is perfection is not a destination. It's a direction. You're never going to be perfect. We're human. We're not perfect. Generally, like in general. So stop worrying about how you're perceived and be yourself because uh, you know, your flaws are what make you interesting and make you different and why, you know, will make people pay attention and to just doubling down on your own personality, but you really have to know who you are to be comfortable with that. I think think it was Albert Einstein said, be a voice, don't be an echo. And I think that's what a lot Mm. of people, too many people are being echoed. That's great. (laughs) Before we wind up here, so many people are going to be listening to this. They're going to have a mean one question. So I want to come to you. How do people find you on the web? on Instagram and all Absolutely. that. Where do, they, where do they go to look after you? And I will put it in the show notes in case people miss it. Yeah, no, reach out to me. Uh, so Noah Mittman, uh, N-O-A-H-M-I-T-T-M-A-N, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, yep. friend me on Facebook. I, I The friend requests are lining up on Facebook, so it might be a little while on that, but um, th- you can find my name pretty much anywhere. And if you also search Snowman Films, yep. uh, that's my Instagram handle. Uh, that is my, I think my, my LinkedIn is Noah, the snowman. Um, you know, I'm either Noah Mittman or snowman films and you will find me, uh, pretty much anywhere. I'm on, you know, LinkedIn, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, clubhouse, uh, all that. I'm not having large presences in all of these places, but I have some presence and, uh, yeah, I'm definitely focusing on LinkedIn. So that's probably going to be a fast way to get a hold of me. Mate, awesome. It's been an absolute pleasure listening to you. I, I know there's a lot of people who are going to take a lot of content out of this and uh, you're going to get them going, going, shivers, you know, I can do this. I'll have to get in touch. You, they can. Everybody, you can do it. I got you. I believe in you and the world needs what you have to say and what you have to teach. Uh, I love the pitch right towards the end, mate. It's been awesome listening to you. And as we say to everyone at the end of our shows, have a groovy day. <laughs> you too. <laughs>